morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's to him, but already this Eagle Eyes on deck. I am Eagle Falcon. Uh, yes, yes, we'll talk about it. I know, I, I know you're thinking it. Am I going to talk about Blizzard? Yes, we're going to talk. How could you not? Like, I have not seen a story that you would have thought that only, like, the Twitch cultured would talk about leak so deep into the mainstream. I, for, I heard it on local radio. Local radio. They barely like to acknowledge television exists. It's It was so bizarre hearing the words Hearthstone come out of AM radio. It's just, uh, but yes, we'll talk about Blizzard. That's going to be in the back half of the show. But as always, we normally start off with some kind of security breach, but um, there really wasn't one this week. I, I was legitimately surprised. There really was nothing. Like every week for like the past, what feels like decade, there's been something about someone went and stored passwords in plain text somewhere and then put it in an envelope or something stupid like that. But not this week. Although I do have this amusing story from Bud, BuzzFeed News, which, by the way, BuzzFeed had news? I also did actually have to go through and see if this story was real. And it is. From BuzzFeed News, millions of Americas... Uh, Americas. Nailed it. Millions of Americans could lose power for days in an effort to prevent wildfires. This sounds stupid, but hear me out. The article reads, about 2.4 million California residents could go up to a week without electricity as, as the state's largest utility company shuts down power to hundreds of thousands of homes and businesses in parts of the states to prevent faulty power lines from starting wildfires. All right, so so it, it makes sense, right? It, it makes some sense. Okay, you have some faulty power lines. We, we need to... We need to turn off power to, uh, to to fix them and prevent wildfires. All right? So, so that starts making sense. There's one problem, though. I made up a key point about that commentary I just said. Nowhere... In Pacific Gas and Electric Company's statement, did they actually say they were going to fix the faulty power lines? <laughs> Nowhere did they say they were actually going to fix the problem. Just that the weather was going, that because the weather was going to be hotter and drier, 
that faulty power lines could cause wildfire. So we're just going to cut power. But they didn't say they were actually going to fix the power lines that could cause the fires in the first place. It's just that the, the risk was high. So we're going to cut the power. Now, it's quite possible that the utility company is actually fixing it. And BuzzFeed is so bad at their job that they didn't report that they were actually going to fix their job. But I could not find any proof anywhere to say that the utility company was actually going to fix their so their so-called faulty power lines. Just that we're going to go and cut power for several days because there's a risk of our bad power lines actually causing problems. Oh, apparently I'm uh, according to before restoring power to the affected areas, the utility companies. Oh, did I really just, did I really read over this several times and huh? Well, don't I feel like an idiot? Okay, yeah. One sentence in the BuzzFeed news article did in fact say they will be inspecting the lines before restoring them. All right, so that that that's my fault. That's my bad. Whoops. Let's shift gears. Let's shift gears drastically. <laughs> well, actually, before we shift gears, I, I actually do want to comment real quick. Tesla actually did send out a notice to all their Tesla car owners that you should absolutely charge up your cars before the scheduled outage. I thought that was adorable, to be perfectly honest. All right, let's 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 get away from that now that I feel like an idiot. And now that everyone has turned off this podcast and now count, counted me out as a complete twit. Or maybe if there's a bad edit, now you know what happened. All right, over this past week, and I actually wanted to talk about this on an early bird briefing, but I never had the chance because there was just so much other stuff that happened. The quarterly report for the growth of streaming platforms was released by both Streamlabs and their other company, Nuzu. Normally, I don't really talk about this because... For the longest time, this report told us nothing. Every time it told us, well, YouTube's gaining some traction, uh, Twitch growth grew, Mixer is still Mixer, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. I mean, that's how it was for years. Then, of course, last report was the big shocker. 
where Twitch grow where Twitch didn't grow, it went down. And then after that report came out, then Ninja shook the streaming world by selling out to Mixer and becoming an exclusive Mixer streamer while simultaneously casually throwing shade at Twitch. All right, so so you got that going. So this should be a very interesting report then. Because this report is the first one after Twitch's biggest streamer left Twitch and joined Mixer. So this should be amazing, right? Actually, you know what this does? It's it's very telling. Because Twitch grew. Q1 of 2019. Total watched out hours were... Two point... I'm, I, I'm having a little trouble reading this thing. Excuse me. Total watched hours for Twitch was 2.4 billion. Or I'm sorry, 2.47 billion. Then in Q2, where the drop happened, it went down to 2.43 billion watched hours. Then in Q3, after Ninja left, it rose to 2.55 billion watched hours. Hours streamed went down in Q- in in Q2 from uh, I don't even make sure I'm reading this right 100 billion to 89 billion and then, and again in Q3 in Twitch our stream went down again to 87 billion oh wait no yes no I'm reading this wrong 100 million to 89 billion or 89 million to 87 million they got this all written weird. And also the font's tiny. But anyway. And then on top of that, unique channels has been steadily going down. Q Now keep in mind, since Q1 of 2019, everything's been going down. The only difference is that the watched hours, which is really the number that matters as far as a platform's popularity, went up. Channels went down. Streamed hours went down. But for comparison, Q1, 5.6 million unique channels. Q2, 4.6 million. Q3, 3.7 million. So that's all Twitch. The amount of streamers actually there is going down. 
It's hard to say what happened between Q1 and Q2 that caused this dip. That actually might have been Alinity, now that I think about it. I can't say for certain what the event was between Q1 and Q2 that caused this slide, because there is a huge slide. But then to see the amount of streamers dip, but the amount of watched hours up, honestly, for those of us sticking on the on the Twitch on the excuse me on the Twitch platform, it's good news. It's great news, in fact. Now, people in the chat are actually going, no, that means that uh, Fortnite's popularity is dying out, right? It actually is. As far as publishers, Blizzard is beating out Riot now. 342 million from Blizzard compared to 326.7 million to riot games top genres it's now adventures then adventure games then shooters then battle arena then battle royale then role-playing games and then just other us rpg fans always at the bottom feels rpg man but that being said Fortnite is still the biggest game as far as watch hours go. Then League of Legends, then World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft obviously got a huge surge because WoW Classic came around and wasn't a giant dumpster fire. So there. Now, as far as mixer growth and this is absolutely hilarious to me. So Q1, and I want to make sure I'm reading this graph right because it's tiny numbers on a giant screen. And that's annoying me. Everyone in chat is debating whether the last category is wagons or uh, the untitled goose game. I'm going to go with the goose game. All right, Q1 for Mixer. Total hours watched. 83.5 million hours in Q1. Q2. 109 million hours. Q3, and keep in mind, this is when Ninja joined Mixer. It went down to 90.2 million. A 10% drop after taking Twitch's biggest streamer. To see it not go from, I mean, you, you, you went and grabbed the biggest Twitch streamer there was, and you didn't see any growth at all, and in fact, you went the opposite direction, that, that's not good at all. And keep in mind, when it comes to the popular platform, the hours watched is what matters. Because it's one thing to say content is con- content is king. That, that's, that's one thing. 
All right. I mean, to say, like, for example, this podcast is on every single podcasting platform there is out there. Like every single one. Actually, I take that back. Deezer still hasn't approved me. That's like the one that's on approval only, and they've just been like slowballing my approval process. They haven't even denied it yet. They're just derpy. Like, even if I go ahead and say only iHeartRadio has access to my content, that doesn't matter. If the eyes aren't there, because the eyes that are watching in the end is what pays the bills. That is why the hours watched is the king number. The numbers after this, the ones that say, hey, total hours streamed went from on Mixer from 8 million in Q1 to 11.3 million in quarter two to a staggering 32.6 million hours streamed that doesn't matter because you had a 10% drop in viewer hours that is the money maker and of course the same thing in Q1 Q2 Q3 for Mixer as well in fact actually oddly enough Mixer over uh, 2008 or 2018, I think that was actually when they switched from Beam to Mixer, but God, it's been a while since I paid any attention to Mixer. They slowly over all of 2018 went from 1.9 million channels to 1.5 million. They slowly lost 400,000 unique channels over 2018 then they dropped again in, at the beginning of 2019 down to 1.4 million then spiked in Q2 to to 1.9 million and then of course after Ninja joined spiked up to 3.9 million but what's the point if you don't have the eyeballs watching When push comes to shove, there was a big debate when when Ninja joined Mixer. Is it time for us Twitch streamers to abandon the platform and go over to Mixer? I think every streamer has thought, oh, excuse me, uh, has thought about this question at least a little bit. The overwhelming majority of us thought, no. Because there's no guarantee there could be growth over on Mixer. Whereas, even if it's slow growth, I am growing on Twitch. And I'm not seeing any evidence that switching is the right move. Most of us state, I I thought about it as well. Do I go over to Mixer? In fact, I actually thought about it a lot. Just because my growth over on Twitch has been very slow. You know, maybe moving over would have been a good idea. But in the end, I thought, no, 
Not really. I actually probably should explain. Um, these graphs are I've been I've been talking about in quarters. That's mostly because that's how that's how a lot of these analytics are done is by quarters. Quarters refers to every three months of a year. Uh, quarter one is January, February, March. Quarter two is April, May, June. Quarter three is July, August, September. And then Q4, which is sales-wise at least always considered like the big one for obvious reasons, is, of course, your, your last two, October, November, December. There, there was some discussion in the chat, and I felt like I should quickly clarify that. YouTube, on the other hand, let's just quickly talk about that. Um, they stayed about the same, realistically. There's a bit of a surge. I mean, for whatever reason, Nuzu does not have 2018 numbers. They only have 2019 for them. But uh, total watch hours went up in Q1 to Q2, but pretty much for all intents and purposes stayed the same. It spiked from 622 million to 677 million from Q1 to Q2. Then Q2 to Q3 just went from 677 to 675. Total hours streamed went down, went from 12 million hours streamed to or 12.2 hours 12.2 million hours streamed in Q1 to 12.6 million hours streamed in Q2 to 11.1 million hours streamed in Q3. So YouTube is actually going down both in channels streaming and also in hours watched. Now, this is only including YouTube gaming. I don't know if that includes just general YouTube live. That is not exactly said. Yeah, it just says the gaming content. From what I've seen on YouTube, it's trying to actually kind of lean away from that sort of content, at least most of the content creators are, not really seeing YouTube as a gaming platform. Uh, Facebook gaming, well, um, they did not give me any graphs. Rip. But, uh, oh well. But, I mean, the rest of it's just almost what you expect. Uh, Fortnite is finally going down in popularity. Alleluia. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'd say I've said everything I need to, but I just want to restate. The next time you want to make a knee-jerk reaction and follow herd mentality, I want you to remember this story. Because that's what Ninja was. 
the reason there are so many more streamed hours on Mixer is because of that herd mentality. <gasps> Ninja's going over there. <gasps> I should go over there because Ninja's going to bring all of his viewers over there. <gasps> Let's all go over there. And the herd went and went over to Mixer. And there's nothing over there. In fact, there's less over there. Will you look at that? All right. Wow. We have actually 25 minutes. We only covered two topics. How did this happen? Google continues to be a literal sieve when it comes to information regarding their pixel event next week we now know that next week tuesday is going to be when google reveals their pixel 4 phone and in fact a leak reveals that the pixel 4 is going to be more expensive than the previous phone and even more expensive than the iphone 11 Really? Really, Google? So so here's my question. We know this phone's going to be, you know, pretty good. It's going to have a pretty good screen. It's going to have a pretty good camera. There's not going to be a notch. It's just going to be a giant forehead in the phone. So, you know, that that's honestly, that's a that's good in my book. I am getting so sick of notches. I'm getting so sick of the hole in my screen. Like, I, like I, I've, I've said this before on the podcast. I own an S10. So I've got a hole in my screen where the front-facing camera is. And, you know, I thought, thought at first I thought I could live with it. And for the most part, I can. Until you actually try watching a video on it, and it's just infuriating. Maybe it actually would have been better if I got the bigger one, because then there's more space. And then I could have actually had... <laughs> Regardless. I, anyway, enough about that. So we know the Pixel 4 is just going to have a forehead that has all the sensors in it. Great. We know it's going to have decent speakers. Great. We know it's going to be, you know, a pretty good phone. Hey, that's great. But it's going to be more expensive than the iPhone 11? Are you kidding me? Even Apple knows you can't be selling an expensive mainstream. You can't sell your your main phone as super expensive. Even Apple is trying to lower their prices. Unless you want the pro phone, in which case then you still have to give up a kidney. And Google's going to go the opposite way. Keep in mind, this is Google, the, the company that revealed the Nexus phones. The phones that were $300 back in an era where phones were creeping up to $700 and that was considered way too expensive. 
The Google hardware team was the team that invented the cheap smartphone. <sighs> the bottom line is that I'm slightly disappointed. And also, for crying out loud, Google, I don't know whether you are just terrible at keeping secrets or you are literally actually or you're intentionally leaking this stuff out. But if you're really going to sell this thing for over $700 in a world where the Samsung A80 exists, a $300 smartphone that easily competes with, with the iPhone 11 and every other phone in that much higher price bracket... You've got a problem. You've also got a problem with this whole thing of thinking that we want pixel books. This is an exclusive defi- man, I am just tying my own tongue today from the from nine to five Google. The event next week is going to include a pixel book. So last week, last week, or I'm sorry, last year, they in, they tried to push out the pixel slate or whatever the heck it was, which was like a $600 tablet running Chrome OS and was awful because Chrome OS is awful. Have you ever used Chrome OS? If you haven't used Chrome OS, here's a challenge for you. I want you to grab a laptop, a spare laptop, doesn't matter what it is, okay? Now, I want you to open Chrome, full screen it, and then right-click your your taskbar and click on Hide Taskbar. So that way you have no access to the taskbar whatsoever. All you have is just the web browser. Now to continue this challenge, only just use the computer like that and never hit the Windows key. That is almost exactly what using Chrome OS is. What's that? You want more features? Too bad! Too freaking bad. The worst part is, is that these stripped down devices running Chrome OS, that's one thing. You want to go pick up a used Chromebook for 50 bucks? By the way, that is about the going rate for used Chromebooks. Which honestly, 50 bucks, that's not horrible. I should actually ask my guys over at um, where I used to get my computers. See how much they're selling them for. Might be a fun experiment. Anyway, now imagine paying upwards of five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars 
for this sort of thing. No! Just no! That's the the only way this pixel book is actually going to work is if it's a $300 laptop. You know it's not going to be, though. Because Google is delusional when it comes to these Chromebook, these premium Chromebooks they make. They load them up with so much specs that Chrome OS has no chance of ever using. And then trying to sell it to you for a grand. That's how these used to go. <sighs> like, that's, that's all I can do is just sigh. But we'll have all the details. We'll have the price next week. But all I can really say when I look at it is go, thanks. I hate it. I really, truly hate it. All right. So uh, you want to talk about the most casual announcement ever? This is another one I had to actually put on hold. And it's all Blizzard's fault that it went on hold. Sony just casually tweeted out confirming, yeah, by the way, there's a PlayStation 5. It's coming out, and I accidentally clicked off the story. There's a PlayStation 5. It's coming in in the year 2020, and uh, yeah, the controller's going to be sweet. The controller is going to feature... haptic vibrations as opposed to a normal rumble pack so the vibrations can be dynamic there's going to be multiple different resistance layers and the controller can adjust them on the fly when pulling the triggers on the controller that's the r2 and and l2 buttons on them and the console will feature a blu-ray disc drive and support the ability for 4K Blu-ray movies. The new disc will theoretically have a capacity of 100 gigabytes per disc. And also has hardware ray tracing on it. For funsies. So this is now both. Microsoft and Sony claiming that there will be hardware ray tracing on the next-gen consoles. So that means AMD has to be working on real-time ray tracing. There's no other excuse for this. It has to be a thing that actually is coming. Hey, 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 AMD. When's it coming? is it coming give us the info all right shifting gears radically again and then i think we finally have to break after we're now like 10 minutes past due for it intel is working on a computer they are calling the element the element is a and you know and you know You're going to get a kick out of this. The Element is a modular computer. Okay? Yeah. So get this. 
It's a modular computer in which you can just plug in various modules onto the backplane board to add things like processors, GPUs, memory, storage, Wi-Fi peripherals, and other such abilities. Yes, it's a first-of-its-kind, one-of-a-kind system. It's actually going to be very, very similar to, say, um, oh, I don't know, the Mac Pro, where that's also a very modular system. And hey, look at this. Um, Some of the pictures showing these various devices show some of the modules of this, of this thing. And these modules look very suspiciously like a very chunky PCI Express card. And oh, hey, look at that. This same module has a 8-pin power connection like a graphics card would and a PCI Express slot like, like a graphics card would. And a okay, yeah. Everyone in the everyone in the chat got got the joke. It's it's freaking what a computer is now. What's the difference? Intel. <laughs> what is the difference between the element and my freaking ten year old workstation? <laughs> I have an HP Z eight hundred right here, and guess what? It's processor is modular. It's RAM is modular. The graphic card is modular. <laughs> the storage is modular. In fact, if I wanted to get this, I could even plug storage into the PCI Express slots. Oh my god. Heck, you want to get really into it? My laptop is also modular. Because it has an MXM slot. I could upgrade the graphic card on it. It would, you know, hate me for it because it's um I think that thermal solution can only handle up to like a 45 watt GPU. So if I were to plug in say a RTX 2080 in there, it would probably die as well as probably have some other problems. But the point that my point is here is how is the element, the future? You, you gotta give me more to work with here. Intel. Cause as far as I see, the element is literally the present and the past. There is literally nothing futuristic about the element. Uh. Now, actually, Unjust Banana in the chat does bring up a very good point, even though he's trolling. The, the future is disposable. The future is solder and glue. So, you know what? Actually... I take back everything. I I want to embrace the element. How do I embrace the element and make sure that the element is the future? Because in reality, even though it's the past, I welcome this future with open freaking arms. Because I will take that over the freaking hot hot glued and solder filled surface laptop. I will take this every day of the week. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a new feature on Steam that could actually be a godsend for multiplayer and, of course, the Blizzard controversy. Every year, compliance regulations change thousands of times. And every year, ADP makes thousands of seamless platform updates so businesses can focus on everything else, like running their business. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll. Look, I just want to know, when is the Intel element concept gonna come to mobile devices come on where's my mobile cell phone or not my 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 mobile cell phone my modular cell phone we've been waiting for that forever that that there is a concept that keeps dying welcome back eagle eyes on tech i'm eagle falcon all right so i teased this a little bit steam is adding the ability to simulate local couch co-op Now, first off, I forgot that games had local couch co-op. I can only think of like a handful in my library that do. Like, for example... Oh, what's a good example, actually? Like, Broforce has local couch co-op, but, I, but it's like never used. Chat's trying to name a few, but unfortunately, uh, Smash Bros, Mario Kart, uh, do not exist on Steam. So sorry. But I mean, there's a handful. But the whole concept is that um, by what you do with this feature is that it doesn't require the developers to do anything. Death Road to Canada does. Oh, thank you, Unjust. So what happens is that someone else on Steam, like, say, for for example, Bob Boberson really wants to play play, uh, Death Road to Canada with me, all right? But Bob Boberson does not have Death Road to Canada, and also Death Road to Canada doesn't support online multiplayer. It actually probably does, but let's, let's pretend it doesn't. So with this, feature without death row to canadia doing anything oh, i just realized something I'll, I'll, I'll mention the thought that just popped in my head in a second without death row to canadia doing anything bob boberson can just remotely connect into mine he will see what's on my screen my my computer will stream the game to him so he'll have you know a little bit of artifacting a little bit of input lag as though it were, you know, streamed, but he can still play it as though he was locally there, even though he's not, and the game won't know any different. Now, this doesn't seem like a big deal, but this can be a cute workaround, and there's one game in particular where the developers have been literally, not figuratively, but literally, too scared to make online multiplayer. 
for this game. And every time they've re-released this game, people have been begging for online multiplayer for it. And it's never, ever come. This feature could do it because it is on Steam. Secret of Mana. Square it is one of the few action RPGs. It's one of the earliest action RPGs that featured multiplayer, but only locally. And even the remake that's on Steam is local multiplayer only. This feature can finally bring it! After freaking 10,000 years! Once this feature comes out, you could finally have online co-op in Secret of Mana and probably a handful of other games as well. So, there you go. And also, you know, also shout out to Steam for actually, you know, coming up with an interesting feature that isn't redesigning Steam poorly. Because that's all we've gotten out of them for a while. All right, so let's actually get to some product announcements. Because I actually do have, have, a full, have a handful that are not leaks. AMD is launching two new Ryzen 3000 CPUs. I'm sorry, I was distracted with a uh, comment in the ch- in the chat. But yeah, um, but yeah, Secret of Mana did have local co-op way back when it was first released. But even the re-release recently, the rem- the remake, doesn't have online co-op. It's local only, which was baffling. And there actually have been like a couple of people who have ju- just been like. Hey. Hey, when, when, uh, but anyway, we're getting distracted. AMD is launching two new Ryzen 3000 CPUs. But, um, the thing is, is that, uh, they are not being released to the public. For right now, these two new processors, which honestly, speed-wise, is not really worth mentioning. Hold on, I want to make sure I actually get my my parts right. Yeah, we're seeing a 3900X, no, a a 3900 and a 3500X. I believe are the two new ones that are coming out. But the point is, is that these are being launched, but only for OEM system builders. So like Dell, HP, Lenovo, 
I buy power, cyber power, all, all, all of them, basically. If you're a big shop that builds PCs, you can get a hold of these processors. But if you're a nothing pleb like me, and you want to try and get a hold of these processors with specs that are just, you know, they're different, uh, you don't get the option. AMD, however, does say that these parts will eventually be coming down in the future, just um, just not immediately. Much like the, I believe it's the B550 chipset is right now only available for system builders and will be coming out for, will be coming out to the general public early 2020. So yeah, the rest of us can't build that sort of PC in time for Christmas. Everyone else, though, if you want to go buy one, you can do do that from a system builder. Uh Whatever. That being said, though, AMD's dominance in the CPU market once again hits Intel. With the Intel 9th generation processors taking another... Price cut, this time by up to 20%. And unlike the last price cut, this is actually hitting the overwhelming majority of the processors. Before it was just the high ends on the enthusiast line, this is the mainstream line that are seeing a huge price cut. So all of you AMD fanboys out there, um, you can chuckle with me now. Just just chuckle. <laughs> oh, it's it's kind of funny to see Intel struggle. All right, the AMD fifty five hundred GPU. It exists. We will be seeing a new mainstream mid-tier, this is actually more of a low-tier CPU, the Radeon RX 5500, featuring, quote, next level 1080p gaming. I should be more excited about this graphic card than I actually am. Because most gamers game at 1080p. And those who don't, they're, they, they don't care about this card. Not at all. They don't even care about any card that starts with a GTX, more than likely than not. But, you know, there we go. We It exists. We don't have a price yet. The specs are, you know respectable 22 compute units boost clocks up to 1.8 gigahertz with the normal frequency at around oh i know that's the game frequency we actually don't see the normal frequency on here yeah that's an interesting spec to hide 
What you hiding? 1,408 stream processors. We're talking close to... 5.2 teraflops on peak single compute. And et cetera, et cetera, whatever. It's going to be a decent card. I could rattle off specs all day, but you and I both have no idea what's going to add up in the end. We're not going to know until... We have the actual specs. Game frequency is not the base frequency. What game frequency is, is the the expected clock that it's going to boost up to while you're playing games. So it's still a boost clock. Which starts making me wonder, hmm, is that really what we're going to be seeing? Is that really what the base is going to be when it's actually doing work? It's kind of a sketch way to list it. But here's one other thing that actually, this actually infuriates me way more than it should. But this 1080p baseline graphic card comes with someone in the chat asked, so what is boost frequency? The boost frequency is 1.8 gigahertz, whereas the game frequency is 1.6. So the boost frequency is more than likely the maximum they can expect. Whereas the 1.6 is what they expect it's going to boost to while gaming and be stable. So, like, you're never going to see, like, 1.8 unless you have a really, really good cooler and hit it with a super high-end synthetic load. Which, again, makes this frequency they're showing very sketch. For those listening to the podcast, I'm explaining this to people who are asking this in the chat. It's just, like... The thing is, is that like any sort of boost feature is dynamic. Like, for example, my older system here, its CPUs can boost. The normal clock speed is 2.9 gigahertz. I almost never see it at 2.9 gigahertz because the thermal solution is good enough to keep up. It almost always boosts to 3.1 gigahertz when I'm doing pretty much any kind of work. If I then hit it with a super high-end load, like someone in chat cheering one bit at a time and trying to test the alerts and the cup to its maximum, it'll boost all the way up to 3.4 gigahertz, but I only see that in very rare situations. And also then the fans actually then start revving up. So that's kind of how that how that works. The boost is going to be very dynamic. More than likely, you're not going to see either of these two numbers. You're going to see something completely different. And we still don't know what the lowest number it is going to be. But again, getting back to my point, this, first off, it's a four gigabyte card. That actually is something that people do look at. Four gigabytes of onboard memory, it's going to be GDDR6. 
but this baseline card is going to require an 8-pin power connector. Now, for anyone building a budget system, that's not a big deal. You get any power supply, it's going to have the ability to hook up a 6-pin or an 8-pin power connector. Or it's going to have two 6-pins and you're going to have a thing to safely convert that to an 8-pin. But let's pretend for a second you're going for a super budget build. All right, if you're going for four, five, six hundred dollars, you know, this card's gonna be fine. If you're going, if you're trying to go for, say, a $250 build, and let's pretend this card is $150. We don't know what the price is. We're gonna pretend that's the price. $150 for the card. $100 for, say, like a used. I usually say Dell Optiplex. I, let, let's pick a different one. Um, a Lenovo Think Center. All right, let's say you just go go off to eBay or, or some other used computer shop. You pick up an old Lenovo Think Center. It's not going to have an 8-pin in there. And you are not going to be able to safely convert the SATA or Molex power connectors off that power supply to an 8-pin. In fact, more than likely, the power supply in there is not going to be able to handle that. And those systems, because they're business machines, they do not have a standard ATX power supply. Why? Because that's how they work. And it's infuriating and everyone hates it. But if you're on a super budget build, well... That kills this card. It's not going to happen. You know what will work? Oddly enough, the GPU that everyone ripped on. The GTX 1650. Because that requires no power connector. And the handful that do have a power connector, it's a 6-pin, which converting SATA... Or Molex to a 6-pin is not that hard. And actually can be done relatively safely. It's not going to put an unnecessary strain on that power supply. This one, though, sucks so much power. One of those systems, one of those super budget systems could suffer. So, budget builders are going to be happy. I personally, I think AMD could have done better. And the super budget hunters are going to be disappointed. However, the existence of this card and its impending release. Keep in mind, the 5500 is not out yet. Even though I just ranted on it for a while. We just have the details. There is, however, going to be an NVIDIA 1660 Super. Yes, my friends, the trend of NVIDIA attaching the word super and doing slight tweaks to existing cards and making people who previously bought the cards feel, feel like they've been cheated continues. And it infects even the low-end cards. <sighs> Am I the only one getting sick of hearing... NVIDIA Super. 
But yes, we could be seeing an NVIDIA 1660 Super. Are we going to see an NVIDIA 1660 Ti Super, or is it going to be a 1660 Super Ti? Look, NVIDIA. I get it. The AMD cards are actually posing more of a threat than you expected. I get that, okay? I get it. And you want to tweak an existing architecture but and make it faster and not lower the price at all. I get that. Okay? Just call it a new generation. Just call it the 1760. Or the 1665. Because, look, it's not like it's abnormal practice. This has been done in the past all the time. But doing this sort of thing where it's just like, it's a brand new card. And then literally re-releasing it at the same price and making it really look like the 1660 was just a lie and a stopgap product for this one to actually exist. Just, it looks bad. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me getting sick of seeing a million and a half words tacked onto the end of a number. Because then it's going to start reminding me of Toshiba product numbers. Have you ever looked at a Toshiba laptop and and looked to see just how many letters and numbers there are in the model? The Toshiba Satellite 67TV-4E7. dash inch edition with a touchpad. It's... It's like, why? Why are we doing this? Especially on cards that just aren't that old. Now, I'm getting asked in the chat, is it a st- how much of a step up is it going to be? Should I feel cheated? I don't know. We don't know what the specs are yet. We just know that the card exists. If I don't know anything, why am I talking about it then? I'm just so sick of seeing the word super. I really am. I I don't know how NVIDIA did it. But it's now making me groan when I see a Super Nintendo. Like, that's how much fatigue this has me feeling. Now, that being said, just a reminder, Intel has a, has a discrete GPU card coming out. 
And it could be coming out in June 2020. Let's not forget that. <laughs> Honestly, I am actually very curious to see what an Intel discrete high-powered GPU can do. I actually am legit excited to see how this performs. Oh, there we go. That's there, There's a good thought. Um, the S on the talk models of the iPhones are actually super. That's where NVIDIA got it. They stole it from Apple. God dang it. <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of uh, things that are... Speaking of phones with stuff tacked on at the end, we recently got a look at the OnePlus 7T, an algebra formula that doesn't make any sense. And uh, we found out there will be a OnePlus 7T Pro, which, as far as we know, will feature a much less obnoxious camera bump on the back and faster battery charge, improved camera, a pop-up front-facing camera, so no notch, a weird psychedelic look on the back, and no U.S. release, and so much more, like a 6.6-inch or 6.67-inch screen with... I actually blanked on what that resolution actually is. A 1440p screen and no U.S. release. And therefore, already, I feel like I should just ignore this. Oh, for crying out loud. I don't get this. Why? Why do this? I understand, say, for example, Samsung making a very budget-focused phone. And then not releasing it to, say, and then make it, like, exclusive for, like, the Indian market. I get that. But why make a high-powered, no-doubt expensive, no-compromise phone and then not release it to the market that is the biggest consumer of overpriced expensive phones? That's where I'm coming from on this. I'm not saying this as a, oh, they don't care about my country, though. I don't care about them. From a marketing standpoint, this makes no sense. I'm very curious what the logic is here. Although, granted, it could be the rumor is wrong. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, yes, the Blizzard block. (laughs) 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so first things first. I actually do need to talk about this story before we get to the Blizzard stuff. I know I've been putting it off for way too long. The podcast should be over. We're over an hour already. But this headline from Gizmodo says a lot about um about the about uh something I've ranted on a while back. Adobe will cancel all subscriptions in Venezuela to comply with US sanctions. So no, I am I refuse to talk about whether the sanctions are good or bad in in this case. You discuss that on your own time. My point is that if Adobe never switched to this stupid, obnoxious, freaking absurd model of taking the entire Adobe Creative Suite and turning it into a subscription service. And Microsoft is just as guilty with this, with this Office 365 thing. If it weren't for the fact, if they just did what every other professional app maker or app, app maker, program maker in existence has been doing since the dawn of time, which is what everyone wanted from the first place and actually just make the software and let us run it locally. then this wouldn't even be a threat. I I could care less about the beef between Venezuela and whatever the heck caused these sanctions in the first place and Adobe having to having to pull and cancel subscriptions in Venezuela. I'm more miffed that if Adobe had to pull the plug on say, I don't know, the state of Wisconsin for some weird reason, make up your own reason that Adobe hated cheese or something weird like that. If I relied on Adobe, I would be SOL. It's just, that's it. The video editing I would be doing, assuming I used Adobe Creative Suite, which I don't because I hate this model in the first place. My ability to make videos is gone. That's it. Gone forever. I would then be reduced to, no joke, piracy. Let that sink in. In order to do my job, if I was in Venezuela, I would have to resort to piracy. All because this model became more... prolific stop it no one likes this oh that story shouldn't be there in fact actually i'm going to make an executive decision and axe this one here the story i'm axing is microsoft filed a patent for a virtual reality mat there we've covered the story there's a patent for that it seems Silly. All right. So before we actually get to the Blizzard story, I actually want to give special credit to YouTuber Yong Ye. Y O N G Y E A. He has actually had excellent coverage on the entire Blizzard situation and has been 
an amazing source for getting all the details. So I want to get that shout out out of the way right now. Because without him gathering all of it, I don't think I would have had the whole picture either. So, we're going to start from the beginning. And I want to state that before we get into this. I am going to start from the beginning of this story. Comment on that element. Move on to the next element. Comment on that element. Move on to the next element. Comment on that element. And then summarize it overall. I want to stress that. So, first things first. In the Asia-Pacific region, there was a Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament going on. This is Hearthstone, if you don't know, if you somehow don't know, is Blizzard's trading card game, basically. That's all digital. It's based on the World of Warcraft franchise, and it's, you know, it's it's a pretty basic game. I personally was a big player of it, although never really spent a whole lot of money on it, and then I just fell out. I just stopped caring after a while. The game just stopped being appealing. Well, regardless, big tournaments with big prize pools were still going on. And in fact, one Hearthstone streamer, Blitz Chung, was the winner of the Asia-Pacific region and was, of course, after winning, brought on to the live stream to give an interview about his win. To which Blitzchung was wearing goggles and a mask, both of which are symbols of the resistance movement in Hong Kong. And after the two casters said that he should say that the interview will end after he says his eight words, then said to the effect of, and I don't know exactly for certain what exactly the words were. Actually, let me check, take a look here. I think it actually, let me make sure my story actually has it. Cause I didn't actually see if it actually has the exact words or not, but basically it was to the effect of liberate Hong Kong. This is the revolution of our time. That actually might be exactly what was said, but I could be wrong. During which the, after he said, while he was saying that the two casters hid under the table. Was it under his pick? Oh, there it is. Oh my God. I am blind today. Liberate Hong Kong revolution of our age. I was actually close. While he was saying that the two casters dove under the table and the feed was promptly cut. The VOD then was also scrubbed. Any evidence on Blizzard's side that this ever occurred was erased. To which then the internet does what the internet does best and reposted this this moment in history that was trying to be scrubbed from existence literally everywhere. Now, 
the exact statement from Blizzard, and I said this on the early bird briefing, is as follows. And I am going to, just like on the early bird briefing, say this word for word. Engaging in any act that, in Blizzard's sole discretion, brings you into public dispute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and a reduction in the player's prize total to zero U.S. dollars. In addition, other remedies which may be which may be provided for under the handbook and Blizzard's website terms. That is their exact quote from their competition rules. Their statement then continues to say, and I quote, Grandmasters is the highest tier of Hearthstone esports, and we take the tournament rule violation very seriously. After an investigation, we are taking the necessary actions to prevent similar incidents from happening in the future. Effectively, immediately, Blitzchung is removed from the Grandmasters and receive no prizing for Grandmasters Season 2. Additionally, Blitzchung is ineligible for participate. I'm sorry, to participate in Hearthstone Esports for 12 months beginning on October 5th and ending on October 5th. We will also immediately cease working with both casters. All right, so. Blizzard suspends him. They fire the two casters who were clearly in on it. And Blitzchung receives nothing after being suspended, okay? Honestly, I do think that Blizzard went too far in punishing them, but there is something to be said there. You cannot have someone just use your platform to pull off their own political stunt, and that's what this is. It is, in fact, a political stunt, even though the issue is oppressed versus oppressor, which is, in most people's eyes, a 90-10 issue. 90 for the oppressed and 10 for the oppressors. An esports stage is not the place for a political stunt. Just as in the same sort of way... If on this podcast, I had a guest on and they tried to go bring up their own issue, um, what's a similar thing? Um, Supporting local beef as opposed to imported beef. Something like that. It's a lot more minor than in this case, but but this tech podcast is not the platform for it. Just as a Hearthstone esports tournament is not the place to talk about the liberation of Hong Kong. It is an issue that granted because this stunt is now in a very bright spotlight. It's still not the place and Blitzchung did deserve punishment. I don't think he deserved this degree of punishment, but it's not the place for it. And uh, someone in the chat did say that this this sort of thing has happened on esports all the time. 
and I'm consistent in that. I don't think any time any esports person wants to bring up anything political, that is not the place for it. And I know politics has come up quite a bit in the Overwatch esports community. And every time, I don't think I've actually talked about it on Eagle Eyes on Tech at all, but like every time it's come up, I've just been like, dude, just, just, just let them play sports. Let them play Overwatch or sports ball or whatever. And this has come up quite a bit from the NFL to the NBA very recently. It's just not the place for it. Now, this is where my siding with Blizzard ends. It ends just before the last paragraph of their statement. Quote, We'd like to re-emphasize tournament and player conduct within the Hearthstone esports community from both players and talent. While we stand by one's right to express individual thoughts and opinions, players and other participants that elect to participate in our esports competitions must abide by the official rule, official competition rules. No, you don't! <laughs> You cannot have it both ways. It'd be one thing if they said, we stand with one's right to express individual thought and opinions on their own time. That's one thing. But if you actually stood for their right to express their thoughts and opinions, you would not have literally brought down the hammer on this guy. Like, that's the part that tweaks me the most. Like, I was fine with what Blizzard did until this statement. Then it was just like, you really want to play this game? You really want to play this game? Really? Really? Oh, it's just. No, but this gets better. The Chinese representative for Blizzard, and I want to state, this is a different company than Blizzard. It is a company that's partnered with Blizzard to get Blizzard games into China. But their statement, which is still associated with Blizzard, stated this to the Chinese audience. Quote, and granted, this is a translation from Mandarin to English. So my translation might be different than yours. This one specifically is from Reddit on the Hearthstone subreddit. We are very angered and disappointed at what happened at the event last weekend. 
and highly object to the expression of personal political beliefs in any of our events. As always, we will defend the pride and dignity of China at all cost. I see. Huh. Yeah, about that, uh, that uh, we stand with one's right to express individual thought and opinions. Grant, I know they are two different companies, but, uh, huh. Yeah, about that. Now, of course, this exploded. It did not take long for this news to get everywhere, and it helped that the NBA was doing something similar at the same time. But they don't, ha- they don't have silicone in them, so uh, we're not going to talk about the NBA at all. Later on, the College Hearthstone League was also going. And as the American University was, being, was losing their own match, that Hearthstone team put up a sign that's on their face cam that said, A free Hong Kong boycott blizz. To which then quickly the feed transitioned over to literally anything else. And then it also cut over to the casters who looked at each other very nervously and wanted to talk about literally anything else. Now, the American University team did not face any punishment. And they called for a direct boycott of the company that they're competing on. They want they advocated the audience to boycott the makers of Hearthstone. Like as far as 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 far as statements go, when push comes to shove, even though this was shorter, this is worse behavior than what Blitzchung did. Because not only are you advocating for a political movement and performing a stunt, but you are actively calling for people to stop supporting that company. Blitzchung said no such thing. The American University team saw no punishment and, in fact, could still compete in the tournament. They weren't even suspended out of the tournament. But they did opt to drop out. So now you take this with <laughs> with the with my previous statement about you can't use a platform for political beliefs and I do believe that people who do use a platform like this to push their own political agenda should face some kind of punishment. And now you have someone that's doing that and not facing any punishment whereas someone who did 
saw all the punishment. Now you're being... Well, you're not being equal. You're not being balanced. It's just... What the heck? Oh, by the way, um, to top all this off... And everyone's been been pointing this out. Outside of Blizzard's HQ, there is, in fact, a statue of Thrall, one of the iconic Warcraft characters, on a giant wolf wielding a hammer with the plaque in front of it saying, Every voice matters. Yeah, um, some Blizzard employees were not happy with that. Uh, they did, in fact, also take pieces of paper and cover that up. In fact, those same employees also walked out to protest Blizzard's decision to ban the guy. Even U.S. senators and congressmen have been commenting on Blizzard clearly slamming down on one esports player to appease China for what is clearly a monetary move only. And finally, and this came out on the day that we're recording this, on October 12th, Blizzard has made an official follow-up statement regarding Blitzchung. And again, I want to make sure as many of the facts can get out there as possible... And that honest opinions can be made. So I'm going to read this word for word. This comes from news.blizzard.com. From the poster just named Blizzard Entertainment. Hello, Blizzard community. I want to take a few minutes to talk to all of you about the Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament this past weekend. On Monday, we made the decision to take action against a player named Blitzchung and two shoutcasters. Let me interject for a second. When did we start calling commentators shoutcasters? Like, I know this is hilariously off topic, but who came up with this term? Are shoutcasters then required to shout everything? The statement continues. Take action against two, against a player named Blitzchung and two shoutcasters after the player shared his views on what was happening in Hong Kong on our official broadcast channel. At Blizzard, our vision is to, quote, bring, to the, bring the world together through epic entertainment, unquote. And we have core values that apply here. Think globally, 
lead responsibly, and importantly, every voice matters. Encouraging everyone to share their points of view. The actions we took over the weekend are causing people to question if we are still committed to these values. We absolutely are, and I will explain. Let me interject. Oh, boy! <laughs> this is gonna be good! <laughs> oh, really? Really? Can, can you really say anything more than really to that? <sighs> The statement continues, our esports programs are an expression of our vision and our values. Esports exists to create opportunities for players from around the world, from different cultures and from different backgrounds to come together to compete and share their passion for gaming. It is extremely important to us to protect these channels and the purpose they serve. To bring the world together through epic entertainment, to celebrate our players, and to build diverse and inclusive communities. Let me interject. Yes. Inclusive communities. Except for, you know, the oppressed. Except for those who actually are suffering or the and and those who want to bring to light these things like like here's the thing you want to celebrate the prayers you want to bring epic entertainment you want to you you're trying to have it both ways and you're not <sighs> the statement continues as to how those values apply in this case first our official esports tournament broadcast was used as a platform for a winner of this event to share his views with the world. We interview competitors who are at the top of their craft and share how they feel. We want to we want to experience that moment with them. Hear their excitement as a powerful way to bring us together. Over the weekend, Blitzchung used his segment to make a statement about the situation in Hong Kong. In in Hong Kong, I'm sorry, in, in Hong Kong. In violation of these rules, he acknowledged and understood this, and that's why we took action. Every voice matters, and we strongly encourage everyone in our community to share their viewpoints in many places available to express themselves. However, the official broadcast needs to be about the tournament and to be a place where all are welcome in support of that, we want to keep the official channels focused on the games. Let me interject. This is true. I actually agree with them in this case. Quite often, it's not, though. Various political issues were brought, were brought up during the Overwatch leagues. And... I mean, primarily I didn't watch them because I could care less about Overwatch, but that's a big problem I have with esports as a whole. I do agree that those who try to use official broadcast platforms as their way to bring up political issues, that needs to stop because the last thing I want when watching a sport, when watching something like this is to just have, is to just being lectured about while, while 
excuse me, the last thing I want is to be lectured about why an opinion that a player has is right and that why someone else might be wrong. We're here to watch Hearthstone. And I do believe it should be kept to that. Now, that being said, this statement doesn't bring up why you punish one guy who just happens to be in one of the biggest markets in existence, in which ca- in which one of, one of your partners sp- spoke for you and said that he should be brought down with the might of everything possible. And another, and another group stands for the exact same thing and also says, oh, by the way, you absolutely should not give Blizzard any of your money. Why, they receive nothing. Consistency, please. The statement continues. Second. What is the role of shoutcasters for these broadcasts? We hire shoutcasters to amplify the excitement of the game. They elevate the watchability and help the esports viewing experience stay focused on the tournament and our amazing players. That's the end of that segment, by the way. No comment. In that statement about why the two that were terminated were wrong, even though it should be self-explanatory there, the, the whole point of these sort of things is to explain your logic in detail. But I digress. The statement continues. Third, were our actions based on the content of the message? Part of thinking globally, leading responsibly, and every voice matters is recognizing that we have players and fans in almost every country in the world. Our goal is to help players connect in areas of commonality, like their passion for our games, and create a sense of shared community. The specific views expressed by Blixchung were not a factor in the decision we made. I want to be clear, our relation in China has no influence on our decision. Let me interject. Had no influence on your decision. Um, Your partner in China would strongly say otherwise. What did they say again? Oh, right. We are very angered and disappointed in what happened at the last year's event and highly object to the expression of personal political beliefs at any of our events. We will defend the pride and dignity of China at all costs. Our relationship in China had no influence on our decision. Again, I want to restate that the Chinese statement is from a company that is partnered with Blizzard. But at the same time, that that company is your Chinese representative. 
they still reflect Blizzard, even though they are not Blizzard. And it'd be one thing if, as Rin in the chat states, that the Chinese company has to say that, otherwise they might vanish into a dark hallway somewhere, never to be seen again by the Chinese government. That'd be one thing if it weren't for the fact that Blizzard said nothing. They let that company speak for them and have that go unchallenged in the face of the world. And they know that they are being watched by the entire world. The statement continues. We have these rules to keep the focus on the game and on the tournament to benefit to the excuse me to the benefit of the global audience and that was the only consideration in the actions we took i would like to reinterject with my previous reinter reinterjection just copy and paste it the article continues if this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same divisive and deliberate way we would have felt and acted the same <laughs> god i'd hope so <laughs> i would certainly hope so <laughs> that is uh... If it's not obvious, I'm interjecting again. <laughs> if you didn't come down on a guy being pro violence in the street and oppression, I would have even more questions for you, Blizzard. That is easily the easiest statement for them to say in this whole thing. And easily the statement that means the least. Uh, the statement continues. Okay, what could Blizzard have done better? And where do we go from here? Over the past few days, many players, casters, esports fans, and employees have expressed concerns about how we determine the penalties. We've had a chance to pause, listen to our community, and reflect what we could have done better. In hindsight, our process wasn't adequate and reacted, and we reacted too quickly. We wanted to ensure that we maintain a safe and inclusive environment for all our players and that our rules and processes are clear. All of this in service of another important Blizzard value. Play nice. Play fair. In the tournament itself, Blitzchung played fair. We now believe that he should receive his prizing 
We understand that for that for some, this is not about the prize, and perhaps for others is the disrespect to even discuss it. That is not our intention. I'll let, let me interject. At least Blizzard knows it. However, I just really... I just... <laughs> no, really! <laughs> I, I even said it, like, day one on the early bird briefing, that while I agree that Blitzchung should receive some punishment for trying to use the Blizzard platform for his own political gains, that the punishment he received was way too far. Now, in the chat, the question's asked, what does this say in Chinese? That's a good question. Unfortunately, right now, I do not believe that this is posted on any of the Chinese outlets. This is only on Blizzard.com, which, if I'm not mistaken, is blocked in China. But I don't know. I would be very curious. The suspicion by chat is that the part I just read has been omitted. I would also go as far to say... um, I'm willing to bet if this is in Chinese that, you know, I'll save those thoughts for later. All right. It continues. But playing fair also includes appropriate pre and post match conduct, especially when a player accepts recognition for winning in a broadcast. When we think about the suspension, six months for Blitzchung is more appropriate, after which time he can compete in Hearthstone Pro in the Hearthstone Pro Circuit again, if he so chooses. There is a consequence for taking the the conversation away from the pro, from the from the purpose of the event and dis, disrupting or derailing the broadcast. With regard to the casters, remember their purpose is to keep the event focused on the tournament. That did not happen here. We are setting their suspension to six months as well. Moving forward, we will continue to apply tournament rules to ensure our official broadcasts remain focused on the game and are not a problem for divisive social or political views. One of our goals at Blizzard is to make sure that every player everywhere in the world, regardless of political views, religious beliefs, race, gender, or any other consideration, always feels the same. I'm sorry. Other consideration always feels safe. I'm sorry, feels safe. Can you tell I am just losing my mind? This has had me up so long. And welcome both competing in and playing our games. At Blizzard, we are always listening and finding ways to improve. It is part of our culture. Thank you for your patience with us as, as we continue to learn. And this is digitally signed by J. Allen Brack, President of Blizzard Entertainment. So, a couple of things that stand out on this 
on this that I didn't already interject on. The statement says that they should have let Blitzchung keep his winnings, but only face a six-month suspension. It did not clearly state that that's what they're going to do. Honestly, if they did that in the first place, I would have been 100% on Blizzard's side on this. Because I think that is fair. As for the casters, it did clearly say that they are setting his their suspension to six months instead of forever. Now, I have to assume that they're going to reduce Blitzchung's punishment to what they stated here. But it isn't made clear. And when you have the literal world staring at you with a brow raised, for the love of God, man, you do everything in your power. To make that as clear as possible. As for the political statement itself. Despite the punishments received. I don't think the two casters and Blitzchung could have hoped for a better result. They went into this knowing that they are going to face punishment both from Blizzard and from the Chinese government themselves. I guarantee it would not surprise me at all if they got a knock on the door. As terrible as it sounds to say that, it would not surprise me in the least. But look at how... Because their goal in the end, the end goal was to bring as much exposure to the incident in Hong Kong as possible. They hope to bring that message to the Thurstone audience. They have the entire world looking at this. This would be the equivalent of me barging into a cafe. And saying support local cheese. And then having the entire county. Spreading that message.
And despite the fact that the focus here is on Blizzard, many, many people are now looking at Hong Kong and pushing forward movements to try and put pressure on the Chinese government. However, I don't know all the details of those proposals. I don't know where they're going, if they're already dead. And when push comes to shove, this is a tech podcast. And much as a Hearthstone tournament isn't the platform for a political movement, this podcast isn't a platform for what happened in Hong Kong, although what happened and is still happening in Hong Kong is a key component to this tech story. So that is where I stand. And as a final point before we move away from the Blizzard story pretty much entirely... BlizzCon is in three weeks. Just putting that out there. And keep in mind, we thought the last BlizzCon was super bad with no announcements and do you guys have phones? I guarantee you we will forget about Diablo Immortal by the time this BlizzCon is over. Oh. We're going to take one extra break and then we're going to put a bow around this super long episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech because, man, my throat is sore. At ADP, we understand the importance of building the right team and offer the data insights to help. Just as importantly, our AI technology helps you pay the team accurately. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll. All right, welcome back. Eagle Eyes on Tech. Last segment, I guarantee you. All right, let's... Apple is doing what I've been doing ever since Facebook debated making Libra and uh, slams literally freaking... It just goes to town on Facebook saying that uh, their Libra cryptocurrency is a, quote, blatant power grab. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Well, I mean, can you, can you really blame them? This actually follows PayPal announcing that uh, they are no longer going to support the Libra Association. 
so yeah, uh, Apple thinks that Facebook is dumb for trying to invent their own cryptocurrency, and PayPal's just wants out because PayPal finally just saw the light and realized, wow, Facebook can't seem to even keep can't keep any information confidential. Why should we trust them to invent a currency? Yeah, that's stupid. We're out. For crying out loud, what have I been saying this whole time? Why would you trust, of all the companies in existence, Facebook to be in charge of anything involving money? Why would you trust Facebook with anything? I wouldn't trust Facebook to freaking keep this microfiber towel I use to clean off laptops safe. And I have three of these. So congrats, Apple. You have shown one more piece of evidence that you have a working brain. We questioned it for a while, considering you made a bendable tablet that breaks when you bend it and released not one, not two, not three, not four, but five MacBook Pros with terrible keyboards that break with the inability to replace said keyboards that break. But at least you have the brains to say that Libra is bad. Oh, yep, see, I'm clearly doing it wrong. Uh, I did just let Facebook know that I have microfiber towels. Dang. Now I'm going to get ads for that. Feels bad. Also, Facebook is uh, being grilled in the EU about the existence of uh, the Libra cryptocurrency. Okay, so I know the speed of law is pretty slow. But... I have a question for the EU. Why did it take you this long? Like the EU has had a hard on for slamming Facebook and Google at any opportunity it could. Why the heck did you wait until after PayPal backed out? to question them about inventing their own currency. Oh, whatever. Hey, remember the essential phone? Essential made a phone that was, um, Oh, actually, here's the model right here. The Essential PH1 was a pretty standard smartphone that pretty much just had everything at a cheap price. It had a good enough screen with a good enough processor with good enough battery life with good enough storage at a pretty good price. Hey, that was great. Well, um... Essential has a new plan. Essential wants to release a phone called the PH2. It is a phone that, uh... Does this article from Hexus actually have the, uh... The aspect ratio? 
But basically, it's a smartphone with the same form factor of a TV remote would be the best way to describe it. It looks to be about from the mock-ups that we've seen roughly an inch and a half wide. And... I don't know, about six, seven inches long. It's a very oddly shaped phone. But at the same time, I mean, what do you do to make your phone stand out? What do you do to make your phone really, really shine? I mean, this is one way to do it. It definitely stands out. All right. Next weird article. Astronauts have successfully printed beef. We have artificial meat that has successfully been made and grown in space. I'm not going to lie. I have nothing to contribute to this story other than we can print beef. Like just that statement alone is hilarious. We can print beef. (laughs) Um, Why in space? um, Rin in chat asks. Because when you're in space, you cannot create food like you can on earth I mean how are you going to raise livestock or anything of that nature while in a very compact space station well if you're going to be self-sufficient it's one thing to make solar panels and just always have power that way while on a space station or on a spaceship this sort of thing actually is important when doing long distance space travel to be self-sufficient so You know, from that point of view, it's very interesting. On the other hand, you could be a delinquent like me and just giggle at the fact that you can print beef. So let's shift gears radically and get to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. Google has a plan to introduce negative latency with Stadia. Just let that sentence sink in for a second. They want to create negative latency. Latency, if you don't know, is the amount of time it takes for a device to respond. So basically, for for example, if you're watching this live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, there is a latency between when I speak into the microphone and when you at the watching end hear it. That time is called latency. So therefore, for negative latency to exist, you would have to somehow hear what I'm about to say before 
before I say it. Now, obviously, Google is not creating actual negative latency. What is actually happening here is that Google Stadia wants to have a technology that will predict what input you're about to use so it can render that frame of the predicted input before you actually put it in. It's not all that all that far-fetched. I mean, on processors, this technology actually does exist. And it actually is how a lot of modern processors process so freaking fast. That being said, though, it is rather easy for a computer to predict what it's about to do next. There's only a limited number of things that it can do to help it with processing. How are you going to pr- correctly predict whether that speedrunner is going to hit A at the correct moment or not? How are you going to accurately predict whether that Fortnite player is going to get going to actually line up the shot and pull the trigger properly or not? Heck. How are you going to predict that a mistake king like myself is going to mess up the jump correctly <laughs> like you're like already jokes in the chat are coming up as far as so so is this the task then will this mean that It's going to predict that I'm going to do it right every time because that's the more desired function. Does that mean that me playing a competitive game like, I hate using Fortnite as an example, uh, like, um, what's a competitive game that I don't hate that actually requires skill? We'll say Overwatch. Does that mean that if I play uh, Overwatch on Stadia, I'm going to be doing better? Or Rocket League, that's a better one. Will playing Rocket League on Stadia just be better just because it's going to predict I'm better than I actually am? Like, this just raises so many questions. And answers very little. But I guess we won't know until it's actually out. That's going to do it for me for this podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Feel free to check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which airs daily at iTunes, on iHeartRadio, on Google, at everywhere that you can, that you found this podcast. And also, be sure to also check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. We stream every Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Take care. Rest well. I'll see you then.
Just make sure whatever you do, do not under any circumstances play Danganronpa on Stadia. With this predictive te- technology, it will absolutely, without a doubt, spoil everything for you because it'll predict everything and send it to you before you actually see it clearly. That's clearly how negative latency is going to work. Also, what genius thought of negative latency? Bunch of dinguses. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash info. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash info, netsuite.com slash info.